You ever find anything in an espresso machine when you pop the hood? Lots of things with wings and tails and too many legs, for sure. We got a great episode for you guys today. We responded to a very helpful viewer comment, which was for us to review one of our own coffees on the coffee review segment. So we took a box of free throw from the back here and put it through the ringer. We talked about the content. We talked about the packaging, tasted it, brewed it on espresso, cappuccino, and pour over as we always do. And the score uh, might shock you a little bit or might not. We covered the last chapter of Unreasonable Hospitality, which was an awesome uh, segment that we've been able to do every week. It's inspired us a lot, but we're excited to move on to bigger things. And lastly, our esteemed guest, Caleb Hall of Brawny's Coffee Tech. We've been wanting to have him on for a long time. He's someone that we work with all the time on the coffee tech side of things with wholesale partners uh, and our own gear too. He's an incredibly talented coffee tech that knows so much about everything coffee related, and we benefit from his wisdom on the regular. It was really cool to hear his perspective on what his personal equipment would be if he was starting a coffee shop. That was probably my favorite part. We also got to hear his journey into coffee. Even though he was never a barista, he was still in the coffee industry for a long time. And it's a really great episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. If you enjoy this podcast, can you please like, subscribe, and review? That helps us get this podcast into more people's ears and brains. And we love that. We think we're good for the world and good for the coffee industry. So we want to get this out to as many people as possible. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Caleb, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Uh, good morning. <laughs> I guess I'll start with this. Who do you think you are? Mm. Uh, I think I'm Caleb. I'm pretty good at being Caleb. And uh, I try not to be anybody else. You're more wow. than pretty good, Caleb. Come on. <laughs> You're one of the best Caleb's out there. I, I'm, I'm going to start asking every guest we have that as the first question. Yeah, you really start. Who do you think you are? You really grill them, or you could take that very positively. Like, who, who do you think you are? Yeah, yeah. I'm a dreamer. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Hey, we. All right, so we already got coffee brewing. Um, we have been doing this review segment for what three, four weeks now. It was time to throw our own coffee into the fray. Mm. Hey, speaking of throwing. Careful. Boom. I don't know if that's even in shot. Check this out. Right in front of your face. There you go. Yeah, so we're going to be reviewing free throw this week. Free throw. We are going to try to separate ourselves from this coffee as much as possible. And that's why we brought in Caleb. The most unbiased, impartial man that we could think of. That's right. And Let's someone go. that's not will, not afraid to, you know, rake us over the coals, yeah. if you will. Um, I'm going to pour this brew I already had going. Um, probably not going to do the rating until Ross gets here. Yeah, but we can talk about it. Maybe we can even talk about the journey, you know, because we've reviewed big and small companies now already and we've mm. talked about the journey from making the most of what you have with the craft bag or the white bag and different labels and stickers and stamps where do you feel like we are on that journey from homemade to streamlined everything's printed on the box yeah so we started with a white bag with a label and I will throw up a, a picture uh, I'm not going to throw it up. That's disgusting. I will place a picture on the screen of 
one of the bags when we started. And we did that because we didn't have any money. And we bought, so we bought a label maker and a bunch of white bags. And we rolled with that until we were able to afford custom bags. Picture also on screen now. And I think pretty quickly after that, those bags, we started to realize that that wasn't necessarily like our brand anymore. Yes, kind of not the best timing in the world, but good timing that we had, you know, however long to get through those bags to be working on our new brand identity. But it was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, we, well said. we reordered those bags because we just weren't in a place of having our rebranded stuff even started, really. Because um, this... I'm sorry. Traffic jam. Beep, beep. Uh, this brand refresh took us over a year to kind of conceptualize. And we have talked about that brand, brand refresh ad nauseum in one of our podcasts. Link below. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Check so, out our other podcast if you're interested in uh, learning more about what we do and how we do it. So I remember when we started down this path, it was a big decision for us of like, you know, we see other people doing boxes. We were like, should we do a box? A box yeah. seems easier to design. And we said, to hell with it. Let's do a box. Do you remember when we were playing with uh, cylinder oh, yeah. kind of models? And I think we would have gone that direction if cylinders wouldn't have been really expensive. Yeah, it was like this slit. Maybe I don't want to give too much away because maybe we'll do it one day. Oh my gosh. We'll do it one day. Like, yeah. <laughs> this shot is dying right now, guys. Hey, did you stir Ooh. that or what? I did stir that. Ad nauseum. <laughs> All right, well, hey, ad nauseum, let's <laughs> taste some coffee. Uh, while Ethan stays in the coffee, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the content of our box. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Now in our journey, we have custom boxes, custom colors for each menu slot we have. Um, this is, already seems like an unfair advantage because I don't know anything about the other copies we've tried, yeah, like, like this is how this whole thing works. The menu how slot? The things work. Well, it's set, actually it says menu slot on the copy there, so on you would here? be able to uh, to come away with that. Observation. It says menu slot. Yeah, where? The same role on our menu slot. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, so free throws blue, workers comp is yellow. All other year rounds are tan, yeah. like cream. And then fruity coffees are red, freaky coffees are light blue, uh, chocolatey sweet coffees are green, and floral coffees are pink, premium coffees are black, and then we have a seasonal blend that changes with the seasons right now. It is Hayride, which is orange. So we have a good bit of customization there. there. Where we do not have customization is we still have to use a label. So we made the most of it, and we did this like corner label situation mm -hmm. the key there is a white background that's right yeah so label printers suck and there's a huge jump in label printers from the two thousand dollar price mark to the next year being the ten thousand dollar price mark ours is a two thousand dollar label maker and so it sucks and doing color labels is bad so white with black text Looks like a pretty good label to me. And we learned that colored labels are bad because we had colored labels. Yes. You don't know, like the washy 
color edges. Mm. It's not, not your thing. We could just kind of fit that into the branding guidelines. We could. Honestly. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I have never tasted this. I don't drink a lot of cappuccinos, <laughs> as you guys know. Um, but that tastes like coconut water. <laughs> I, I thought something went wrong with this cappuccino. I thought I uh, the milk tasted kind of burnt, but here's another try. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just like, I've never tasted coconut water in a cappuccino before. Huh. I mean, it's like nice and sweet, but I think maybe... Maybe it's a little thin or something. I don't know. It's just a little boring. Hey, whatever. Hey, we're being honest. We are being honest. Uh, But as for content, huh? We have the name of the coffee and the notes and then the weight because government regulations right there on the front. Then on the side, we have origins because this is a blend. So Mm -hmm. we go into detail of exactly where the coffee is from and what percentage it is. We have the process of each coffee that's in it. We have the variety of the coffees, and then altitude for this one is multiple because it would have been like... You take the average? Could have taken the average, yeah. And then we have a little descriptor about the coffee itself. Uh, This would be our Desert Island coffee. Our staple bean is always consistent like a free throw should be, but hits like a slam dunk. Currently a blend of a chocolatey Brazil and a fruit bomb of a naturally processed Ethiopian. This coffee always fills the same role on our menu slot, a chocolatey coffee with some subtle fruitiness. That tastes great and interesting no matter how you brew it. Find this coffee on espresso at our cafe year-round. I know that sometimes we look back and think that we put too many words on things, but one of the biggest compliments I get on our coffees is the descriptions. Yeah. And that's a big credit to you for writing them in an approachable way. Hey. They're always so fun to read. Stop, stop. People honestly ask me who writes your descriptions a lot. So that's awesome. I thought it was ChatGPT. Well, it is now. It is. Yeah. And Riley. As of a few months ago. Uh, On the back, it says Valor Coffee. We are Valor, a coffee company in Georgia. We love to roast beautiful coffees and make days a little brighter. Whether you're on the way to work, sitting in a cafe, or brewing a cup at home, we hope our coffee helps you slow down enough to enjoy the present moment. Wow. How about that? You got to slow down. That was pretty different for, for for us when we decided to put that as the copy on yeah, our yes. box. But we were really trying to transcend what uplifting people through coffee means. Especially by drinking this coffee wherever you are, mm-hmm. you know, not just in our cafe. Yeah. Uh, so that's some good content. And then on the top it says an absolute treat. Yep. It, we want to say what our... I think we've was. already said it. we've already we've already said it, but it, uh, when we were doing mock-ups, it said coffee is a fruit, dumbass. And that uh, would not be uplifting people through no. copy <laughs> or coffee. <laughs> wow, uplifting people through copy. And I then see. there is a sticker. <laughs> yep. Here's our first UX situation. All right, you got to peel the sticker, and it just broke. Yep. Well, so we're learning something. If we want to speak into that a little bit, we oh, had yeah. it. It's a perforated sticker, mm-hmm. but if you line the perforation with the uh, opening of the box, typically in shipment, you can expect it to uh, break, and then people think that their coffee has been tampered with. So then, which it has. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, we reopen the boxes and like <laughs> check it out just because we want to make sure it's good. Just make sure nobody put anything in there. I will say, if the sticker was a little more substantial, it would have been perfect because once you remove it, you never know that it was there. That is nice. Yep. Uh, we open it up. Oh, 
a little message here. <laughs> what does it say, Riley? It says, all your dreams will come true when you drink this coffee, probably. Wow. Let's see if it's true. And, you know, we open it up. Oh, we got a custom branded bag inside. And it says Valor on one side, and it has our staircase logo on the other side. So some some negative feedback we've gotten was that the bags don't say what the coffee is, so you need to make sure to keep them with the box. Mm-hmm. Into that, I'm like, yeah, that's the fair. Point. But I also get it. The box is, I wouldn't say it's to Onyx's level. Onyx, they, they push their box as store your coffee in the box because it is an oxy- oxygen-restricted environment because theirs like, kind of does push the air out. It leaks back in. I was going to say I don't buy that for a second. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not going to go there. But um, I I anytime I've had a, a box at home, I just keep the bag with the box personally. Caleb, can you can you speak into that? As far as do I also keep it in the box? Yeah. Um, ooh, good question. Do you drink boxed coffee? <laughs> uh, I've had some. I did get some free throw thanks to the uh, the Dunwoody backing. Um, oh, nice. nice. And, uh, Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, ooh. I mean, box coffees, generally, they do stay with the box because they're they're usually treats. Like, yeah. you, you're proud of a Onyx box or a Valor box yeah. in, your, mm-hmm. in, you know, in your little display. If you're, like, we've got a kind of glass cupboard right above where we brew coffee and it also ends up being a bit of a junk drawer, but the coffees you've got in there, you know, are visible. So a treat. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say generally, boxes are they pro stay box. and yeah, pro box. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I want to show the box on the counter, like in, next to my coffee gear. Absolutely. So, and that was kind of the reason we went box because <laughs> bags, you're just dime a dozen. Yeah, some bags are sick. Have you guys seen the bags inside of the Big Face box? No. Mm-mm. They're crazy. I mean, they're like they're like this wide and just like shallow, <clears throat> which as far as user experience, they probably might <laughs> suck, but uh, they look really cool. I would display it on the counter. Okay. Hey, let's rip it open. That felt pretty normal. Mediocre at best. I think it's uh oh yeah. Oh man, the crunch test is gonna be interesting oh, since yeah. it's a blend. <clears throat> we got a lot of pea berries in there. Let's see if we can get a uh one of each. There's a natty. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, the set them up. We gotta them save for them for our uh when we get to the crunch segment, right? That's yeah, right. you we gotta eat four pea berries and one uh <laughs> natural bean to get the blend. So there's your natty. I'm just kidding. That sounds terrible. There's your natty. But okay. what are our, our thoughts on the coffee so far? Um, the cappuccino is super fun. I thought the espresso was super solid. Dude, this filter is Filter's incredible. Good. Yeah, well, um, I was talking to a wholesale partner recently on the different iterations of free throw, and he was saying that this, uh, this iteration of free throw is his favorite, and I agree. Um, and a lot of that is because this Ethiopia works Sakaro anaerobic natural. It's just like ketchup, you know. You can put on anything, <laughs> and yeah, uh, it tastes and like it, ketchup. I was like, just, I don't know if that's necessarily. You know, it doesn't really <laughs> taste like ketchup, but it, it acts like it, ketchup. It's the same principle, you know. Um, mm. 
But for real though, it, it's got to get in the copy. <laughs> yeah. Italy Can you or, put ketchup somewhere on this yeah. box? Yeah, I'll run that through GPT. Uh, but yeah, it's it's delicious. Um, are we looking to grade this this content, this packaging? Yeah. All right. Let's right, let it rip. It. Do you know how it works, Caleb? Uh, just remind me the scale. On All right. Which was which? Content is zero out of five. Zero out of five. Yeah. So zero out of five. Okay. All right. One, One two, two, three, four, four five. Fives? I, I, Man. I just I love it and I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's I okay. said four. That's okay. I wanted to say four, but I just knew like it has everything I want on a package. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing it doesn't have that I want. What? QR code. I was thinking about the QR code. I was also thinking about uh I would I would like for it to say coffee on the front a little bit more bold. I know we have it debossed, which is a cool factor, but um, a lot of people don't know what this is. Yeah. They're like, is that coffee? And that's a, a confused mind does nothing. And so if, if someone's confused on what it is, then they do nothing. Yeah. That's it, fair. It's like we need a, uh, we need a display unit that is a clear box with a clear bag. Yeah. With beans inside. Clear coffee, yeah. yeah. With clear coffee. Yeah. Glass coffee. Uh, all right, how about... Yeah, you what's up? come up with a way to just have coffee in every possible way to communicate it. Just like Braille, QR code. But yeah. just all it does is the QR code just goes to a page that only says <laughs> coffee. coffee. This is coffee. It's just like HTML, like right. not styled in the top left. It's just like... Yeah, not not to a deeper description, more info than you did already get on here. Just straight, in case you were wondering, you've scanned a box of coffee. You're on to something. All right, how about aesthetic? Out, out of 10. 10. Out of yeah. 10, okay. Gosh. All right, one, two, three, nine. nine. <laughs> I love it. What, what were you going to say? I don't know if I said anything. Uh, <gasps> uh, uh, I'm Nine. Nine, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's you take gave it a ten. I gave it a ten. I I just love it. Well, if there's based on what you're saying, it has the appealing over the clear. You know, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like form over function. That's and that's kind of what we took the risk on was like, let's just make a really pleasurable box mm-hmm. and let's let people figure out that it's coffee. Sounds stupid, but we're stupid. So yeah. Yeah. Stupid is, stupid does. And if we're selling it, you know, in a coffee shop, transparently, our two, our most favored sales channel is our website. Yeah. Um, so if we're selling on our website, if someone goes onto our website and then goes to shop and then sees those, yeah, they know what they are. It's, it's coffee. What the heck is this? Uh, all right. So how about the UX? Out of 10. Out of yeah. 10. Okay. One, two, Three, seven. Eight. Yeah. Eight or seven. One, eight. Definitely the sticker. The sticker's a big knock. Mm-hmm. It's a knock. Um, I was thinking in my head something that could take it to the next level if there was a color matched bag. Ooh, one day. Yeah. One day if we wow. could afford multiple mm-hmm. bags. Mm-hmm. That, that would solve the problem. That would solve the problem. That's true. So those are my two points. Sticker. You think bag. the bag would be like blue or. You could mm. you could do the off white over and over again with different colored text that Dude, match. Dude, that would be sick. <clears throat> so right now that bag is used inside of any of the boxes. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same bag. Yeah, big mistake. I mean, if we're just judging this one, you are color matched, right? Exactly. That's well, right. That's what. Or, that's or what I was as close as my eye is going to. All right, so it's a ten. 
<laughs> for this one. So we, I said, I, what did we get there? I said seven. I mean, I had three eights. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll call it seven and a half. We're so technical with averaging these numbers. I know, right? We're good. <laughs> All right, coffee. We're, we'll save crunch for last, so okay. don't ruin our, our palate, but we'll start with flavor out of 10. Okay. The espresso's already gone. Gone, but not forgotten. All right. One, two, three, eight. eight. What did you say? I want eight. Okay, eight. pretty eight calibrated. Um, yeah, just, it's I just, nice. I want to drink this coffee every day. And I think there's something to it. It's like, that's the reason why we use this coffee. It's the reason why this coffee is always on espresso. That's why if we have a hole in our drip menu, this might be going on drip. Mm-hmm. It's just, it does no wrong. You cannot think about it and drink it, or you can think about it mm-hmm. and drink it. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we say a few of our inspirations for this coffee? Because I feel like it, it, we should do that. And I, the two that come to mind for me uh, are The Answer mm-hmm. by Cat and Cloud. Um, I think they were the first person I ever heard say what you just said, which was you can think about it and drink it or you can not think about it, which is like kind of the whole thesis of our business, actually. Right. Like you can nerd out on coffee or you can just hang. Um, so them and then uh, Hologram Counterculture. We were definitely not the first uh, coffee roaster to do a mostly chocolatey kind of fruity blend meant for espresso that mm. is good with milk, but also has a little bit of fruity sweetness. I'm not. I'm not saying it, we're ripping them off, but and we've definitely tweaked it in a lot of ways. But um, just wanted to pay pay homage to yeah. the people who have gone before us and inspired us. When I took my first sip of that espresso, I was transported to a pre-farmer's market morning where we would meet up at Chattahoochee yeah. drinking a shot of hologram. Yeah. Hologram was awesome for a lot of years. I haven't tasted it in a, lot of, in, in a while, but I can only hope that we maintain that level of excellence. Yeah. Yeah, hologram lately. I have not. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, good. You got anything to say about it? Uh, the drip was better than I anticipated. I know, I know what free throw can be on espresso. That happens more often where we're dialing in a, a coffee for a, a wholesale customer. So I'm, I, I know it's killer on espresso, and um, but the drip was great. It's better than any of the ones I made at home. But I was, I don't exactly have the most dialed in home setup right now. So. Mm. We like the the XF, that fellow brewer. That's what we keep brewing on. It's been good, man. This extraction, was, was is, it tastes like a cupping. It's like perfect. Yeah. Well done. Uh, good th- job, man. Thank you, you were guys. You were like focused in on yeah, that thing. You weren't talking to anyone <laughs> while you were doing it. I know <laughs> that we're all joking around, but I was like, I've been care, more and more caring about porous because the one default to the Stag X is that it's so... Uh, narrow that if you pour the same way the kettle you'll you'll get an uneven mm. bed so i have to you gamify it you gotta start turning it yeah and, and uh, i think you showed in the cup yeah no joke. <laughs> showed in the cup all right enjoyability out of 10 uh-oh <laughs> this is not good <laughs> we gotta how do we get a coffee better than ours in next because i don't want to just sit at the top of the ranks well that's the thing it's like 
I'm, I'm trying to think. Maybe we went a little too high on flavor because we because all said enjoy, eight. Yeah. Because it's like, what is the most perfect geisha? You know. Sure. You can take me down to seven. Let's. I'll go down to a seven. I'll take down a point. All right. Well, we'll go seven. You're right, though. It's the the that point is, of flavor. It, flavor and enjoyability are not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Because enjoyability is a one, two, three, ten. ten. Yeah. That's the point of free throw. It's just like, like we've been saying this whole time. It's enjoyability. Um, it would be interesting, maybe not next week because we just did our coffee, but to do one of our single origins uh, because we know this coffee so well. Like if we don't nail it, then there's something wrong. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe like week one of a new Kenya that we get in or something, we should... We should rip it to shreds. Yeah. Probably pretty helpful for <coughs> Sam as yeah. well. All right, crunch. So we gotta get a natty and we're li- okay, yeah, four we're actually gonna, pea berries. I'm not I'm doing not that. Doing I'm doing There's fi- a natty. 50-50 blend. I got I got two. Berries. This is actually uh, really easy because it's a pea berry uh, as the main component. Oh, It's a good crunch. It's a good crunch. That's just like a bagel. Like a blueberry bagel? Yeah. <laughs> a little cream cheese. <laughs> Touch of cream, cream cheese. A little bit of like kefir, you know? A little kefir? Okay. You, you called out kefir at the cupping table recently, didn't you? Or do you always? I do not always, and I also didn't recently. Who said kefir while we were cupping the other day? I don't know. We had it as an, a bag note one time. Okay, that's what it was. On like Guatemala Iglesias last year. Kefir. With a K. Uh, crunch. Out of five? Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four. four. Uh, it's not the perfect crunch. Hey, it, take, take me down to a three. <laughs> yeah, this one. thing sucks, okay? No, I think it the crunch, it represents the coffee really well. And I think that is largely in part uh, the uh, the Caro. Yep. Shows up again. It just it's it's loud and proud. Oh, all wow. right. Our total. That's fun. Out of fifty, it's a forty-two point five. I, I I feel like that's fair. Yeah. One of the first coffees you had was like a thirty-six. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was it was, was mid thirties for sure. Yeah, I forget what it was called. They were the ones that gave us that T-shirt. One of my favorite T-shirts. Split log. Split log. You do wear it every other day. Every other day. Yeah. Wow, split log. 42.5, I, 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 feel, I feel comfortable with that. Not too impartial. Yeah. I mean, not too impartial. Is the highest scoring coffee. But uh, for our pride in this segment and the fact that we are really just patting ourselves on the back and you're having to listen to this, you can enjoy free throw for 30% off if you yeah. use code arrogance at checkout. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair we'll take that hit yeah uh so use code arrogance at checkout uh get free throw for 30 percent off i'll have on the screen when that code expires but enjoy man you're really piling up your work here uh riley i know i just editing. love it I, love <laughs> I feel like i need to insert a dad joke here 42.5 is what 95 percent uh yeah, yeah. It's a heck of a free throw percentage. Hey, <laughs> that'd be what be the Nash. best ever. Yeah, that's, up there. That's, that's Steve up there. Nash level. Time to talk about a sad, a bittersweet moment. Yeah, the end of an era. We finished the book. We finished the book, and it took months, several months. 
Well, there's 20 chapters, and it took more weeks than that, right? Yeah. So, so we probably made it to about five months. We took a long podcast break. Oh yeah. In the midst because of the Dunwoody Cafe. But I would say this was transformational. Yeah. Talk about it all the time. Talk about it all the time. It's changed the way we look at our team meetings, our initiatives, how we want to run our company, what, how to keep ourselves balanced. Um, just in retrospect, the biggest takeaway was the whole like uh, multi- the tension in what you want, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the opposing forces of excellence and hospitality or excellence and empathy and making your company innovate to uh, what you want to achieve. I love that. Oh, yeah. That's going to stick with me. So mm-hmm. thank you, Will Guidara. Um, but this last chapter, Back to Basics, uh, kind of ends the story of 11 Madison Park and Will and Daniel's duo um, and their journey to the top. And they made it. Darn it. Yep. I, I cannot believe that the whole... I mean, obviously, you write a book about it when you get to be the number one restaurant in the world. But it got me really thinking. I was like, I really wish coffee shops had this like mighty list because the way that he was talking about like going to these other restaurants and like traveling the world, even if it was us just traveling the country, what that does is create such like a friendly competition of like, how can I make what we have like the best thing ever? Yeah. And how can I innovate and how can I like look at what someone else is doing? And be like that's so them, what is so us and for so long and continually we're just having to do that kind of out of our own desire to be the best and not really be noticed for that, I guess. Yeah. In any particular way. Um, but I'm like, I guess I just got to start that, you know, why not us? Why not us? Why not now? That is a <clears throat> thing for sure. I'm trying to think of like what the coffee lists are. And because there's food and wine, food and wine the is most the reputable. only one that comes to mind, and it's a a cafe per state. Yeah, and it's a thing called food and wine. Yeah, <laughs> for coffee review, right? Read the room. Well, isn't the, I, I? I don't know if the organization is literally called Top Fifty or Best of Fifty. Yeah, but I follow them on Instagram, and they do restaurants. It may be what he's talking about in this book. I can't quite piece it together. But they do restaurants and they also do bars, like mm. cocktail programs. And I imagine there was a day where they didn't do bars, like it was just restaurants. Mm. And so why not add a coffee category? You know, I think that really, I'll just, I don't really mean this, I'll say it for effect, like single-handedly could push the industry forward in a huge way. Mm-hmm. Like I know there's other factors, but um, there's really no you know, nationwide or worldwide grading system. And I, I, I love the part where he was talking about their criteria for what constitutes number one. And it's not just like they're generally the best restaurant in the world. It's the restaurant that's impacting the conversation and the, the, uh, you know, just the progression and uh, innovation of the whole industry in a given time. Yeah. And for them, they were 
pushing the industry forward towards hospitality, whereas maybe the year before they were pushed, uh, the number one was pushing it in a different direction. So if you're if you're number one, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best meal in the world, although it couldn't hurt. It's more of like who is most notably innovating the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, who's who's a, who's the talk of the town basically at a given time, um, and I think that you you really have to be very distinct and unique to be in that position in such a large industry. You have to be very strong and potent in what you're doing. And that doesn't come passively or without a lot of brain power, ideation, creativity. It's something you really have to like give so much attention to, you know, like your company doesn't naturally just become the best. Yeah. Um, which was such a, a good challenge for anyone out there that's more like me, which is on like the practical side. He had a piece where he wanted to do like a, a magic trick at the table and he like brought in a magician to help him come up with the idea. And he was like, he did some sort of trick or had an idea for a trick. And uh, Will says, my jaw dropped. That's incredible. But how do we do it? And the magician, Dan, shook his head. Oh, I have no idea. We'll have to figure it out. But I was like, <laughs> that's where I do not shine the most is like, let's just start with a crazy awesome idea and then work about like how to get there. Um, so I love that I get to partner with you guys who have awesome ideas and you can dream big like that. And I want to learn more about that. It doesn't um, hurt that I'm a fantastic magician. So <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I'm talking about like magic tricks. Yeah. Woo, I can't even, you see, I can't even do it. <laughs> I got to learn. Um, but I love the, and I think he talked about it in other chapters about like, they just create space like for creative meetings. It's not about like how it's just about like what, what do we want to go for? Yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool. Um, and thinking about the like coffee shop on a 50 best list, what was concerning to me when I was reading up this book was like, it just, the experience at these restaurants just kept getting like bigger and bigger and more ostentatious. But there was that part in the book and why it's called this chapter is called back to basics is that will and Daniel, the chef actually sat in like the first night of their new menu where they went for like their biggest gestures and like their biggest moves yet of their restaurant. And he was just talking about how annoying it was because someone was at their table over 90 times, you know, yeah, he was 90 like, interruptions. Whoa. He was like, wait, people are just here to like talk and have a meal. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to honor that and kind of step back? So when I think about a coffee shop, when I think about innovation, I'm like, there's probably so many people that love these like big gestures is these big things. But I'm like, there's also a insanely large chunk of people that are just going to a coffee shop and looking for the fastest, best, nicest coffee and getting out of there. Absolutely. Know? So I think that was really cool to see. Like, It's not just about being the biggest and the most ostentatious, but it's about knowing what you want to receive. And that was huge, too, as like us, knowing like what do we want to receive at a coffee shop and how can we curate an experience that offers that to our guests because that's authentic services service that we're excited about Mm -hmm. receiving 
that would be the pro to that concept we talked about on here one time of like having a 300 square foot sectioned off area with like an Eversys. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's your, you can almost just call that like the to go, the to go corner. You can also get to go coffee inside maybe, but just like expect like more interaction. Right. Cause I'm sure some people would still would want that, yes. but then you could really kind of section off. Hey, so for the creative meetings now, we don't want to be giving away our top That one's already out there. Let's edit that out. Um, but honestly, I, I, you can have the floor next, but I'll just say I was, I was sad to end this book. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like it, like probably all great things in food and Bev, it seems like it's kind of like came to an end. You know, they were growing a lot and then eventually him and Daniel part ways. And I'm like, is that just how it is sometimes? Like you hear about restaurants and being around for like hundred plus years and that's awesome. But I mean, for the for the most part, people that really make big waves in the industry, I feel like <coughs> decade or so, and then mm-hmm. you're gone, or mm-hmm. like, or you change ownership because you can only. I feel like you can only go at that pace for so long. Yep. I don't know if you guys were getting that kind of sensation reading it. Yeah. Well, just the restaurant culture. I mean, it's incredibly hard to sustain, and it's it's known for not being the best work culture in the world so you know even at the top of the industry it's mm-hmm. there's a reason why it's it's a really tough c- culture because there's late nights there's long hours there's you know really high stress situations that are very time sensitive so um but i'll just say like I, we're probably not going to start another book on the podcast anytime soon but i know that the three of us are at our best and most creative when we're reading something together. Mm. I don't know if you've noticed that over the years, but we've read a lot of books together um, either at the same time or we'll pass a book around or whatever, but we should absolutely prioritize that in our relationship because it gives us something to like to stoke the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes it, we can just get into the rut of running the business and, taking the problems as they come and solving them. And we're, we're fine at that. That's okay. But that's not in line with our values, like of hungering for growth. So, um, you can't just hunger for growth without input. Mm. And, uh, and I, I want to keep reading books with you guys. Yeah. The thing I was thinking about even this morning, I'm listening to digital minimalism by Cal Newport and, it's the same thing with any book you read, but the great thing about a book is you can take ideas, but you don't have to live by every principle of the book. Mm-hmm. So it would be kind of a funny experiment to read a book that like kind of opposes this one. And not even necessarily opposes, because I don't think anyone's just going to come out and oppose. Balances. Yeah, but uh, that's just a maybe like a different take on all of this and how we can take principles from that as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just want to send my book off in style. See, I uh, I didn't keep my cover on, and I got some coffee on it. This thing got well worn the last few months. So, is that new coffee right there? No, this it, was, well, the coffee always looks wet. That's what's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I uh, I had a my to go coffee pot for frisbee spill on the way mm, uh, no. a few weeks back. So, well, yeah, well. 
<laughs> Sorry, Will. But Sorry, thank Will. you. See you later. Well, Caleb, thank you for being here. Thank uh, you for me. Thank I you, I have enjoyed working with you so much, and I also love that you live around here because it means we get to see you more. Um, Caleb, I, I'm gonna. We, I know we started the program with Caleb. Who do you think? You are. I'm going to tell you who I think you are. There we go. <laughs> and you tell me if I'm right about that. Um, Caleb is the owner of Bronnie's Coffee Tech, which is uh, the premier coffee tech uh, in the southeast, here, here. not Atlanta. Oh, boy. The southeast. So all, all of you Virginia customers, you know. <laughs> What, what, Texas, what's a, what's Oklahoma. A, yeah, Texas, Virginia. What's Arkansas. another one? Colorado? Do we want to just call it yeah, Southeast yeah. for right now? At, at least Kansas. Anyways. Anybody in the ACC? Yeah, okay. Anybody ACC? in the ACC? Uh, you're going to California next exactly. year, right? <laughs> Dang, okay. Anyways, um, one of the things I think about uh, when I think about Bronnie's Coffee Tech is your dope A van. Oh, he's got a good van. I'm jealous Your of that branded van. van uh, it's such a flex picture on the screen. Oh, dang. He's, Oh, that's funny. Remind me in 30 minutes, take a picture of Caleb's van. <gasps> We're not going to be done in 30 minutes. Just kidding. We might. Um, but anyways, uh, Caleb is a wealth of knowledge. He is also an awesome man and he is a father. He's a husband. Um, and a he's, friend. he's a friend. Gosh, darn wow. it. Uh, faithful listener of the program. Uh, for for a while now. So thank you again for being here. Let me ask you this. How did you stumble into a career in coffee? Such a good well question, said, Ross. Ross. Thank you. Well wow. Thank you. <laughs> well, my first job in coffee, I think, could best be described as smuggler. Smuggler? Um, <clears throat> yes. Um, Do tell. So uh, high school, I was going to Nicaragua on... Uh, just kind of annual mission trips with a, a group that um, um, my church was kind of involved with, and they, they literally shared a building. They were the, our neighbors to the to the church, and um, so it was going every year. wasn't doing anything coffee related, but the that group opened a uh, coffee business to support an orphanage they had. Uh, have in Nicaragua, and when I graduated college in 2010, where'd you go to college? Uh, that would be Florida State University. Wow, all right, the lovely Tallahassee, Florida, and um, having a good year. So, graduating in 2010, there were not a whole lot of jobs just floating around, and um, so I <laughs> took kind of a volunteer gig with that uh, mission organization specifically to sell that coffee and so my first month or so out of school uh, did a an origin trip to kind of meet with the farmers figure out okay what can we do to help you guys and what do i need to know to sell your coffee in the states and that was very early on so we weren't even importing green at that point so when i returned from that trip legitimately had extra suitcases full of roasted bean, like roasted coffee. Wow. Whoa. Which you can uh, do because it's roasted? Uh, I did it in 2011 at that point. So This is a long time ago. This is a long time. Statute <laughs> like of limitations doesn't has matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, <laughs> so I found out I was a very poor 
coffee salesman as somebody who had no background in coffee or sales or anything. I had a fresh business degree, but really didn't know what selling, like where to go, that mm. sort of thing. Um, but with your suitcases, with my suitcases of coffee. Um, so I ended up, uh, I ended up just working a couple of like kind of day job sort of things so I could then support myself while I sold coffee. I thought taking a, a baking job at a bagel shop was a great plan because I could work super early in the morning and have the afternoon to sell. But that whole 2 a.m. wake up, 2.45 clock in sort of uh, schedule, you really don't it's have not even an morning. afternoon. Like you, you just are in survival mode. I was in mm. like a two nap a day kind of schedule. Yeah. So, Ooh, so I remained a pretty poor salesman. We lined up a, a church or two and a couple small grocery stores, but eventually some of, the, um, some of the other people involved who had more time to commit to it kind of took that over. But parlayed that little bit of, a, of experience when the coffee company, um, really the coffee shop supplies people who serviced our um, bagel shop, um, when they were looking to hire, and I got an interview there, the owner um, told me, he's like, you're not qualified to do what I want you to do, but I've never had a 23-year-old sit in my office and talk about being on a coffee farm and, you know, have any, any experience at all on that side of things. So, so um, that was for a company called KBS, who was actually birthed out of Espresso Southeast. So that was the, I was a Monin, Tarani, Ghirardelli, Dr. Smoothie, Cups, Lids, Sleeves distributor for a while. Um, and the owner was getting a coffee roaster rolling at that time. And so at one point we combined the companies. So I was wholesale manager over coffee and all that allied product stuff. Um, so that was kind of the, the snowball effect. So you've always been like parallel to, I guess, actual coffee shops and baristas still in the industry. Have you ever worked behind a bar, like as a, as a barista? Not as a barista, no. Okay. I do a lot of work behind a bar, but usually it's with a wrench, not a pour mm. filter. Right, 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 right. Okay, so you're in this this uh, sales job. What happened after that? So um, I was in that world for about nine years. Um, we had We had two kids down there. We had our third come and we realized that we needed to get to grandparents and um, so I've got we've got one set of parents down in Florida one in Atlanta uh, Alpharetta and my father-in-law up here in Alpharetta was um, was really gracious to get my resume in front of the uh, the guys from uh, Buckhead Beans and when I talked to them they were like, hey, we don't have anything right now, but we work with all these roasters in town. Let me pass it around, see what see what happens. Because uh, at that point, I was kind of looking for a similar role. Like wholesale mm -hmm. manager was what I knew. So mm -hmm. um, in the equipment chunk, we did for sure. But it was, as far as my role, it was probably 5 or 10% of my day, not mm -hmm. anything crazy. <clears throat> um, so that was 
that connection was huge. The, um, I started interviewing with lots of roasters around town that the Buckhead Means people connected me with. Um, ended up taking a position with Peach Coffee Roasters, which I know you guys have a long relationship with. Yep, Peach. And right after accepting that job, making the plans to move, was when Bronnie's told everybody that, hey, we're going to just go ahead and shut down. Um, you know, it's kind of shrunken down to a one-man show, but more than really a one-man show needs to do. Time to, time to move on. So David and Landon from Peach gave me a call and said, hey, our equipment people said they're closing. Um, we want to know, is there, like, should we, should we buy it? Should we buy their assets? Like, you know, they might have something that we want. And I'm still in Tallahassee. I knew Bronnie's. Uh, I'd crossed paths with Minot a few years before in the tech world, but I didn't know anything about what their business was like. So I said, it's worth doing the math. Like, what do they own? Are we just buying parts inventory? Maybe a van, a cool van. Um, Very cool van. And uh, so my very first day with Peach, we we meet with Brandon. We kind of talk it all through. We realize, like, okay, Bronnie's needs to live on as its own company. It does not need to be a service arm of Peach. It does not need to just be assets rolled into something. Like, Atlanta needs a Bronnie's. There's, you know, there's life here. This just needs, this just needs more. It needs somebody to come in and and, and help give it a boost. Right. Um, and so we kind of took a uh, six weeks or a month to kind of figure out the the details of that. Um, and the way it worked out is I put in some money to be the majority owner operator. The guys from Peach went from being my bosses to being my partners. They're fantastic. Um, but very much they let me run it. They're not micromanaging anything. They're you know, there's no weirdness there. There's no there's no lead mining or anything like that. Um it's just, hey, we need brownies alive yeah. and well. And Atlanta needs brownies. Um and so it's worth putting the putting the money behind it and essentially handing a handing an employee over <laughs> to be to be a uh, to run the business, so um, very incredibly grateful to to Matt from Buckhead Beans for making that connection to David and Landon for really thinking outside the box and being being willing to to go down that route, and then to just the Atlanta coffee community has, I mean, just bear hugged. Yeah, me and my family as we've kind of integrated up here. So mm. it's been uh, it's been awesome, and I I kind of glossed over like the as small a chunk of the of my old job that the tech side was. It was always my favorite part. Mm. I uh, I I think that the coffee industry desperately needs good techs. Needs this. The equipment just keeps getting better and better, um, or at least more advanced. Uh, and so, I, having that layer 
solid is so important. And um, so getting to do that full time has been has been great. Mm. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. And I don't smuggle anymore. You don't. Okay. So if you were to if you were to sum up what you do, like what, what are what are the top two or or three focuses of your business? So we we love selling equipment, the going through the process of kind of evaluating what is a what stage is a customer at? Are they calling us because they have a completely built out space and they are at the last they know what they want and they are just looking for us to the transaction to the transactional yeah. portion of getting it installed um, or is it somebody who does need more of a of a walkthrough maybe it's a lead that came through a manufacturer that reached out and it's not you know they need the handholding of of okay do you have a roaster picked out do you like are you do you know so you've got a box of a certain size do you know do you know anything about your layout do you know anything about what traffic you expect that sort of stuff so that's fun i've i've loved that i did a ton of that in the wholesale world of and to to now be able to focus more on the coffee side and not also have to go through and pick out okay what size cup like what size paper cups are you going to use because i need mm-hmm. to i'm gonna have to order those for you and what size uh-huh. you know so that that's that's fun to have be able to devote more time and more attention to really getting people the right equipment getting them getting it set up properly um and then and then we do a ton of of pm programs and reactive repairs for for all different types of customers um pm being preventative maintenance so I like to call it periodic maintenance because uh, preventative implies we can really anticipate every single thing and get ahead of it when that's a little a, a little idealistic. Stuff happens. Good uh, thing you found another P word. Yeah, to- exactly. So periodic means essentially we're using the list, generally we're using a list from the manufacturer of what needs to be checked on in a given time frame. Yep. We're hitting that time period. That's periodic. Getting in there, popping the hood, changing out the wear and tear things that need to need to get changed, and really going through and making sure there's nothing weird happening, nothing. There's no hidden leaks that might be causing issues down the line, um, that sort of thing. But yes, you ever find anything in an in an espresso machine when you pop the hood? Oh yeah, yes. There's rat, cat, cocaine, cat. nothing. Hat, cocaine, hat, <laughs> bat. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing quite cat size that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, or living. But lots of things with wings and tails and too many legs for sure. Yeah. But, hubba, hubba. Yeah. Well, I, I know in our relationship so far, you know, uh, our side as the wholesale roaster and then your side as the equipment provider and per- periodic, sorry, I almost said preventative maintenance. Uh, we have double teamed a lot of customers. Uh, as far as someone that's opening a cafe or someone who's trying to revamp their coffee program, um, it, it works best if it's here in the Southeast, not Georgia Southeast, um, <laughs> Kansas. Yeah. Just, just the, the dual headed monster of, uh, of what it's like to work with brownies or what it's like to work with Valor or, uh, I know we're not the only roaster that, that you work with, but I've, I've seen our customers, benefit so much from your not only just the 
a good salesman and that side of things, but also the support that you offer. Um, I'm thinking specifically of TBB here in Alpharetta. Um, we, I feel like that was such a great double double team support moment. Um, us on the coffee side and you on the coffee side, but also the equipment. It's been fun. It's probably really nice. I can't speak to as much, but I'm sure you guys can speak to it. Of when you're in a wholesale environment or like a new um, customer environment. Sometimes if they're seeking counsel and maybe they're just pretty far removed from the specialty coffee industry and they're looking for advice or counsel and you're like, I think you should get this machine and this grinder. And they're like, that's going to be $25,000. I thought it was going to be $5,000. It's probably nice to have like two people say this similar thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. as far as like that that gap starts to close and it's like, okay, maybe multiple people in this industry that are considered experts are telling me similar things. I'm sure that's probably brought you some solace knowing that Caleb's partnered with. Yeah. Um, I'm solaced out over here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially just because there's, there's a good bit of people out there that are starting coffee shops and have never done it before. Dare I say we got one right over here. Okay, tell me this. Would you agree with this statement? Most people that start coffee shops don't have coffee experience. Ooh. It probably isn't far from 50-50 and it might be more. It, yeah. Most is it maybe an overstatement, more. but you it's more than you think. Yeah, I was about to say baristas aren't coming into this thing okay. with pockets full of cash. Exactly. So I, you're not thinking of like some master barista that's like I'm finally ready. I've saved up all of my money. And I'm ready to start my own thing like that. We we tried to do that, but we had to do it with three people, and it took us forever to get started. Five ever, actually. Um, I'm kidding. Yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, it's it, a lot of times it's it's people that don't don't have coffee experience. It's very very often seen as a as a second gig, meaning somebody has a uh, career that might right. be a fairly early, uh, fairly early exit career, yep. and mm. so they think like this will be my like I can move on to this and just have a have a cool thing. Like we had um, the Dothan and Enterprise, Alabama area as was part of our where we covered out of Tallahassee, and the um, there's um, some uh, military bases over there that produce some of the top helicopter pilots in the world. And so we had, we had at one point, we were working with three different like Apache and Blackhawk helicopter pilots to get their coffee shops open that they were going to run (laughs) when they got out of, when they got out of the service. Yeah. And it's like zero food service. They just, and they were not, they had not been talking. These are, these are big enough communities that they had independently come up with this idea. Wow. And they were putting them different, you know, different cities. It just because we were because we were in that general area, we ended up talking. We like we ended up being the the source for equipment and coffee and yeah. consulting and stuff. And so that's something where it's like an early kind of an early exit, first career, moving on to like they know they got to keep themselves busy. Mm-hmm. What sounds fun? What can I put down on thirty A? Let's open a cool coffee shop yeah. and, and have a day job. 
Yeah, close it too. Go catch some waves. Sounds pretty good. And 30A. Where the waves are huge. Glass. <laughs> Ethan. You've never you even been there. About, dude? I, I, I. Uh, that brings me to a question. Mm. And good techs are, I, I hate to say it, few and far between. And even with that, they just aren't, they just aren't there. Like what you said is like Atlanta needed brawnies. Because if not, I, I don't know what we would do. Uh, I'm going to school. Yeah, we're going to to tech school. So why is that the case? So I have a so the 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 largest supply, I would say, of experienced techs are people who came up through a coffee roaster that was big enough to start a tech department. And that has a that's a rough launching point because you are generally, some companies do it much better, but generally you're seen as a necessary evil at best. You're, like, you, your job is to keep our customers' equipment alive at all costs so we can keep selling coffee. Because mm-hmm. if, if they're down, they're not making money and we, meaning the coffee roaster, is not making money. So that leads, so that's a, that's a rough work environment to be in because you are expected to be Superman. Like any time of day, any distance, like you, you like figure it out and be cheap while you do it. So, and I fully know there are exceptions, but for the most part, coffee techs in the, that start on the roaster side are usually undervalued and asked to do just, you know, overwork kind of things. So that leaves companies that are coffee tech companies, that leaves them trying to hire people that do not necessarily want to be coffee techs anymore because they've already, burnt, they feel like they've burnt themselves out on that, mm-hmm. on that career, field, uh, career path. Um, it's trade adjacent. So you, you aren't an electrician, you aren't a plumber, you don't have any sort of a hydraulics mm. certification, but you need to know all of those things and you need mm. to be comfortable with all of those things. Um, and so it's a, so there's not necessarily, and it's also a fairly new industry. Like yeah. the, the equipment, like when especially coffee started rolling, you could, kind of rely on the refrigeration companies, the other restaurant type companies mm. to sort of figure it out, get the, you know, get the equipment running. 10, 15, whatever, the last 20 years, you really do need a specialized, you need somebody to focus on it because there's so many more types of equipment and they're so much more complicated. So finding people, finding people who have spent any time in the industry is just because there's the, the talent pool is just not there yet. So there are groups that are working on that. There are there the SCA got the Coffee Tech Guild rolling. They have a curriculum going for Coffee Tech training. I just two weeks ago sent one of my new techs up there to. But but so far that's a that's one week. 
you know, and they're, they're working on getting to the next levels of more in-depth training. Mm-hmm. Um, but really there's not any schools that have more than a week or two worth of training ready to go. Mm. And like I said, not an electrician, but you need to know electricity, not a plumber, yeah. but you need to know water. And so imagining being ready to work after a week of training yeah. is crazy. Um, well, training on the job is so high risk too, because all this equipment is so expensive. Right. And kind of every time you go to a job, your customer is at their wits end. You know, their their machine's broken. Or I know some are, are periodic maintenance customers, but like to, to be fresh out of that school, only a week of training under your belt, and maybe you're handy with a, a wrench or, or whatever, but to walk into just a bunch of disgruntled customers and like be Googling stuff on your phone is, is not a good look, no. you know? And um, I just imagine that's very difficult. Yeah, and he, using him as an example, he's specifically done a ton of ride-alongs with us already. Um, he did that. Um, he did that one week with uh, Trailblaze Coffee Academy. Uh, Brady Butler, thank you, sir. Um, and he today is at an Eversys training down in Orlando. So, like, I'm I'm actively pushing to get him as much manufacturer level training as possible. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a ton of on the job training with us. Um, and that's those are those are all things that are expensive those are all things that are are a cost but long term a untrained tech is going to be way more expensive to me than a trained tech oh yeah what mm-hmm. and yeah i can't i can't let i can't send untrained techs into places and expect to keep the customer mm-hmm. like i mean it's just that just doesn't work um and so we're that puts us in a in a weird position because you know when I bought Brownies it was it was it was me and Brandon and so it was and Brandon was it is I would say still vastly more talented tech than I am I've had my own level of on the job training to get to where I'm at I own it so I'm not going to let anything fail so I'm just just out of sheer tenacity, I'm just not going to give up. So like that for a while was my best attribute as a tech is just like, I will pay for it. If it's, if I break it, I'm paying for it. Yeah. And I'm not going to let somebody, I'm not going to leave somebody hanging. It's a big advantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, so trying to, trying to impart that to my techs uh, of like guys, do what it takes to get the customer going. If you make a mistake and you break it, like it's okay. Caleb will buy it. Well, Caleb will fix it. Like, <laughs> let, like put the blame, put the blame back on him. Just don't, don't get paralyzed and don't make it and you know, not make a decision. Mm. Just keep moving. We'll get it. We'll make it right. Yeah. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Wow. Man, I, there was a time where we thought about bringing tech work in house and I'm so glad we did not do that. Yeah. Well, our, our tech we were working with was far away. Yeah. And we were like, we, again, to your point, like we need a Atlanta coffee tech. Yep. Yeah. So we were in that boat and we 
but that's the thing. It's just like you have to have scale to do something like that. Even with you know the people who were considering putting in that position, it's like, guess they're going to work on bar a couple of days a week and do this like when it's needed. But what happens when there's an emergency and we have mm-hmm. to like fill their bar shift? So just to even even with us thinking about that, I'm like, I don't. We'd have to be like pretty large scale to consider doing that. Um, do you have any like opinions on that? Like how how much weight does a roaster have to be pushing to justify? doing that themselves um i've never thought of it in terms of weight in terms of pounds but i think the the break even i've seen in the past is it's somewhere around 200 wholesale customers Mm -hmm. because you've got you've got to account for okay how many of them how many of them are on a pm program that i can put on a schedule and say my guy is going to be there two times a year, four times a year, whatever, mm-hmm. one time a year, depending on what kind of customer. Like, okay, that fills up so many days in that text schedule. And then, okay, we ho- hope we're going to sell this many cafe packages, so he's going to need some, we're going to have some time, he or she uh, is going to need some time to bench test the equipment, install the equipment, all that. And then also the reactive stuff. It feels, as a roaster, it feels because the problem gets it becomes all encompassing when some, when you have a customer who's down, it feels like a massive thing, Yeah, but it really might be 90 minutes for a tech or Mm -hmm. three hours or something, you know? And so that is very hard to translate to actually have a position for somebody. And, and yeah, we've, when folks have a, a roaster who's handy and then all of a sudden you've got, a wholesale customer three hours away, like that's a whole day of roasting you're not getting to because mm-hmm. your yep. guy is gone. Yeah. And and the parts stock and the and everything. And then how tight can you keep the the equipment mix to where your 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 person can even even have a hope to know what they're walking into. Mm. Um so two hundred is the number I've heard as kind of like where where it starts making sense to to, to bring this stuff in house. And I'm, I'm all for customers learning a lot of the basic things. Like a ton of the basic stuff is, is great. And there are, you know, uh, gasket changes and, and burrs and grinder stuff. Like a lot of those are, are things that you can learn from YouTube without putting anybody in danger. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Once it gets a little bit past that and you're dealing with 220 volts, you're dealing, you know, those are things like put the liability on someone who has the liability insurance, like has insurance for that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and has the, the skill and the, the, they're dedicating their chunk of time to come do that for you versus try to fit it in after hours, you screw up, you're not ready to open the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wanted to get to that today. Um, we, we have a lot of people that are listening that are, Starting a coffee company, whether that's a cart or a coffee shop or a roastery, we've got people that have been running stuff for a while. Um, and I wanted to like hit two main points. One of them was like the importance of a relationship with a coffee tech for that person. And then also what are the things that they can learn to, uh, just to familiarize themselves with their equipment. Um, and I, I'd love for you to answer that first. Like if, if there's a, if there's someone in Texas that's 
trying to start a coffee cart and they've they're picking out their espresso machines and and they're looking to be in the in coffee for a while let's just say they took a similar path that we took as far as coffee cart pop-up coffee shop thing and they want their you know they're full-time with their business and they want to keep their equipment lasting for a really long time what are the the four or five things that they need to focus on to familiarize themselves with their equipment uh and i guess just like what what maintenance can a, a a coffee shop owner do before they call in a coffee tech there's there's a ton of cleaning that can happen that can prevent a lot of issues and can turn out to be what solves the issue yeah. there's a there's a there's a ton of uh there's a, a ton of okay have you tried back flushing yeah have you tried back flushing for 10 straight minutes there's a ton of okay let's 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 open the grinder up let's run a vacuum and and then see like okay is there did somebody try to get a gumball out of it and they threw a nickel in there mm-hmm. um again, again. <laughs> and i thought we were going to stay away from stories about us but yeah. that's thanks fine. caleb <laughs> I didn't sign that page. <laughs> Existing or somebody who's looking to get started? Existing. I mean, like once they already have the equipment. Right. Okay. So existing, once they already have the equipment, I would I would make sure they have a, a good handle on their water. Um, Atlanta area is blessed with wonderful coffee, wonderful water for coffee equipment. Mm. It is almost so pure a lot of places that you don't get as great a taste as you want because there's not enough minerals. Whereas so many other places in the country are running water into their equipment that can destroy their equipment in very, in very short amount of time. Mm. So because it doesn't have enough minerals, other, other places they'll have generally too much, too much or okay. a mix that is uh, a mix that can be corrosive or a yeah. mix that can build up scale fast. Um, and so if you that's where i think a a real deal coffee tech company can separate themselves from just somebody who can maybe fix the equipment is can they evaluate what you've got and honestly tell you like here is what you need to keep this equipment alive because um, it's it's really frustrating for a lot of people in a lot of parts of the country where they do spend twenty five, thirty thousand dollars on their equipment package, and they use the same two hundred dollar filter setup that works great in Atlanta, but they need a system that is a thousand or eighteen hundred or two thousand if they want to keep that equipment alive. So, what's coming in it would be the first place to start. Like, are we actually going to be able to keep this equipment alive? running just our normal daily business, just the water coming in. Um, and then, and then having, having somebody pop the hood every three months or six months to evaluate, is there anything happening in here that we're not seeing on a day to day because we're out, we're outside the machine. There's cups on top every single day. It's loud enough in here that we wouldn't hear a hiss. Like we wouldn't hear something. Um, so having somebody that can, somebody whose job is to open it up, take a look, 
see is there anything weird happening is is crucial i mean we things can go unnoticed and just cause thousands of dollars in damage a tiny little leak can just you know can eat away at something that if somebody was in there regularly checking on things would be a an o-ring and you know, fixed right versus you got to replace a whole group head on a on a strata or linear pb or something like that mm. um so having somebody at least on a schedule take a peek would is is big um but there's a lot of the manufacturers have tons of videos on on a lot of the smaller things the gasket changes the um flow rate tests the things that will tell you the health of the machine and tell you whether you need to you know, investigate deeper yeah what about grinders clean them way more often than you think <laughs> they're um it's it's tough like some some models run a little bit longer than others without needing cleaning but for the most part if you're not if you're not taking the hopper off cleaning that getting to where you can at least vacuum out the burr chamber if not actually get in there with a brush and clean it um, you're just asking for problems down the line there's different models have build up that'll hide behind the burr others have it will hide in you know the different grind shoots and different things the different models have clump crushers that are different materials there's the, the silicone there's the teflon there's the the metal static guard ones they they all need somebody to just kind of take a peek shine a flashlight see is there build up going on brush it. Ooh, my phone tried to make a jump um brush it out i have to ask what is your favorite form of clump crusher? <laughs> favorite? <laughs> because I, I, I've thought about here. this a lot, and I want to hear. I want to hear your uh, your take. Favorite form of clump crusher. Ooh, um, it's a tough one. I know it's tough. For Caleb, yeah. for but, example, yeah, uh, we talked about how the Anthem uh, Scotty has spring. The spring. Yeah, the spring and then but like coffee remains. Mm -hmm. So purging and dialing in can take a little longer. Whereas the create a little more waste. Yeah. Whereas the Simonelli mythos has got at least that one has mm -hmm. got the plastic the inner, yeah. teeth that go together and clump crusher is necessary because it's you know, it's the espresso grind is so fine that it clumps together. And if you're grinding at a high speed, then the clumps will just stay intact. And so, I mean, does every grind, does pretty much every espresso grinder have a clump crusher? Yeah, at this point, every legitimate commercial grinder has one, yeah. for sure. So um, which one is like the, the easiest to work with, the most effective? I know we're not trying to play favorites here, but right. your, your personal. Um, the newer, that's tough. Because I, I mean, I do. They, they all have strengths. They all have weaknesses. The the easier, from a user standpoint, to work with the newer Mazer grinders have a, have a, um, just quarter turn and pull out sort of mechanism. Mm. Uh, I think to get to that, I do think there are two Phillips head screws. So maybe not quite just reach in there and mm -hmm. turn it. Uh, I was really been really impressed with those. They. That line has only been out for a couple of years, so we'll wait. We'll kind of wait to see like what is the life cycle on them. They look 
and the build quality seems awesome. Um, uh, I'm more positive on the Mythos line than than you guys have been, but I also, hey. uh, I mean, just. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you would know better but than us. But they're, but they're but they're completely. Uh, they're releasing a whole new version this year that yeah. I haven't gotten to play with. Other We've than got a an old times one at the SCA. So, yeah. So Crazy these. Old. So where things are based on different, you know, age of the technology and everything. Um, they're. They're all. They all have their shortcomings. They all need. They all need love. Yeah. yeah. They all need. Love. So the big takeaway is, if you have a grinder, give it more attention than you're already giving it. Probably. Yeah, the the espresso machine is the big sexy thing on your counter or under your counter, based on depending on what you got. Thank you. But the but the 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 grinders are more um, they're almost more important to actually what ends up in the cup. Is, sure. You know, and and how mad is your staff going to be if they're chasing if they're just up down left right on, mm-hmm. on coffee housework. spraying everywhere yeah. having cleaned out yeah so much more cleaning and things i know you got to go soon but ek maintenance is that something you think about with like having entrusting someone on site to <clears throat> take off and clean those birds as well yeah or, that's one i would for sure put in the category of of there are enough good youtube videos on that 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 it makes more sense for a cafe to do it and uh, than to only assume a, a tech is qualified to open that thing up. Um, they use they do use one kind of fancy uh, lubric- lubricant that's expensive, but other than that, on like a deep clean, they're, you know, as long as you buy that and then you buy the right size screwdriver so you're not jacking up the screws every time. Anybody, uh, anybody can follow the, the YouTube videos and knock that out. Yeah, do a good job. If you had to set up an account, just just give me the standard ac- account. You you can pick one espresso machine. You can pick one espresso grinder. You can pick one batch grinder and one batch brewer. Go. That's that's tough. <laughs> it's tough. It's uh, tough. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I mean, I should have given you a budget too. Right? But. Yeah. See, that's the t- that there are your, there are so many there are so many variables, and your. I should say they're on a budget. Or what about your cafe? Like, if you were gonna, yeah. if you were gonna start a ca- we cafe, um, your favorites. All right. So if if I was gonna start a cafe, I'd probably go with Alinea PB. I think that platform is very tough. Long term is gonna be very serviceable, very, you make excellent coffee. Um, their grinders, I would, uh, I'm interested to see how the new Mythos turns out. I think that would be, that'd be great as far as like what I could currently go buy today. Are there key features that are dropping with it? Is, I, I, I know that, cause that's the Mythos one and the Mythos, cause there's a Mythos two as well, right? Right. And the Mythos two has, is it like better burr temperature control? I think you get so the the one has one temperature that it set, it goes to and that lives there. Mm-hmm. The two has some adjustability on the temperature as well as the burr 
speed, the RPMs, mm. and has mm. bigger burrs, and mm. has the option to do gravimetric to where you're, so it has all the bells and whistles. Gravimetric is, is weighing as you're weighing out yeah. the grounds as it mm. hits the porta filter. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I should have hit up my my guy for a little more prep work on the on what the new I think it's called the my one is what they're calling the new is it one. still boxy and um it's a pretty similar pretty similar setup um but i think they'll probably have more tiers like the mythos 2 was where you've got certain features you can mm-hmm. add at certain mm-hmm. at certain levels i see um so you're going with that mythos for your for your espresso grinder i well i want to see it before i it, as far as what i and honestly i think i could place an order for it today i think they're trying to uh, I think they're trying to move through the last of the ones. Um, sorry, Brent, if I'm giving away secrets. And um, <laughs> shout out, Brent. Um, but the I love the Major V and the um, the Rober is a. I mean, if I'm going to crank those big old Mazers are awesome. Um, I haven't worked with Mazers much, but I've always I've always been interested. They seem really rugged. Yeah, they're 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 tough um you've always recommended them to us when we were complaining about other things <laughs> and we so, might like them because yeah. we like scotty i mean maybe you tell me but what i love about the scotty is it's it's simple but it's rugged yeah uh which sounds similar to a mazer right and it, but it, price point is a oh yeah is a huge thing. difference like how depending on how your bar flow is going to be and how much counter space you have do you want you might get the same capacity out of one rover as three scotties and the three scotties might still be cheaper <laughs> you know so it's yeah. hard to it's like what there's all sorts of trade-offs yeah. on that um uh as far as in the in the brew world i mean i don't feel like there's a massive product difference between bun curtis fetco yeah fetco fetco for me lately has been fantastic to work with um, whereas Wilbur Curtis was bought by a bigger company and it's kind of just become kind of a corporate behemoth that you don't necessarily know who you're going to get when you try to talk to him. Mm. I um, noticed. Yeah. And, um, no offense. Um, Bun has their own, has their own things. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're currently, that's what we're currently working with. Um, as far as our primary batch brew, but um, as you know, trying to play—I don't know—I'm doing a great job trying to play Switzerland. We work with all of these companies. We we are willing to sell any of them, you know, and, and that and and support any of them because um, we don't—we're not the—we only sell. Sorry, we only service what we sold. Kind of position mm. yet uh, I don't I say yet we may never get to where we've just decide we're only going to take care of what we've sold in the first place um, mm. in that case can you uh, can you get that brewer working for me yeah at <laughs> back there yeah <laughs> it's a brick it's a paper we got it for free <laughs> yeah it's a good starting place okay yeah. so all-purpose grinder um the the Guatemala 2.0 is awesome, I think. Wow. Okay, well, I was going to ask take. you, we're, we're EK43 lovers all yeah. day. What's <laughs> what's your your number one 
alternative. So it'd be Guatemala. I think so. Um, yeah. Which is also a Malkunig. It is, yeah, I've never, I've never seen anybody try to have it also be their decaf espresso or their single mm-hmm. origin espresso. So mm-hmm. I can't speak to how how well can you truly get that product too. But from like a a build quality standpoint and everything, I think they're just they're super clean, super super nice. And Mazer Mazer has a EK forty three shaped thing yeah, they've right got the the zm and it has a ton of features built into it with yeah auto uh it's like got the screen remember, on the front and yeah, everything. it remembers yeah. your grind your grind settings and, and has a motor in it uh two motors in it two motors in it because one turns the grind uh turns the burrs one sets the grind for you wow wow um, okay yeah it's wild um more stuff to break <laughs> <laughs> okay last question is automation the future? I think, uh, is it the only future? No. Is it for sure a massive part of the future? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why you're sending your tech to Eversys training, right? Right. Yeah. Um, there are, there are so, so specialty coffee and good coffee is becoming so much more of an expectation. And there are, there are, so many use cases where having trained baristas or enough trained baristas just isn't a reality. Yeah. So equipment that can automate getting good coffee, arguably specialty coffee, out with minimal barista level uh, interaction is just it's just part of the part of the landscape now, and is only gonna only gonna go up. So. If a wholesale roaster, if Valor wants is is approached and a customer wants to present free throw well, but they just can't keep staff or they can't get enough trained people, or it's just a scenario like a, a restaurant or something where they're just ne- it's just not their core thing, but Valor still wants free throw presented well. You kind of have to look at automation. Mm. Um, and so for the for my entire time in Florida there were there it seemed to be no super automatic machines that could put out a cup that I would ever be proud of and so I avoided them at all costs and would never touch them the last few years that's I think that's changed I think there are I think there are I mean, I've had some incredible shots of a, of free throw off of a cameo, and mm-hmm. so, so yeah, I don't. I think that's, I think that's part of the, a significant part of the future. Um, I don't think it's all of it because I think companies like, like you guys, that the face to face interaction is so so important. Mm-hmm. That customer service aspect is so important that you are, you still want to have trained baristas presenting your product. Um, I think we would have, uh, you and I would have had three Eversys's sold together by this point if Eversys made their espresso machines look like espresso machines. Yeah, I think that's the next step. Because sure. people, that is the thing. Like, I mean, how many times have I have we been in that situation where you know they want good coffee? It's hard to keep staff. The things you said. Uh, 
a lot of times. And so it's like, oh, then I'm like, ooh, Eversys. Yes, I get to work with the Eversys. And then I, you know, I show them a picture of it. And they're like, yeah, I don't like that whole just press a button, espresso comes out thing. And I get that. And that's one of the reasons why we haven't done it yet. Because we've talked about Eversys True. so many times. Um, but just the the customer perception when you just see a big box on the counter with a bunch of buttons on the barista side yeah. is is not what a lot of people are going for. I know they have different models, but I feel like all of them just kind of look like super autos. So far, uh, yeah. I'd be interested to see how, what kind of changes they make. What was, that, what was that one you showed us that was under counter? Mavom. Was that a Mavom? Yeah, they've got one and... Um, Ooh, I'm drawing a blank. There's at least one other. There's at least one other that's uh, that's working on that. Um, that's what I'm interested in, and that's even. I think you were at SCA, and you're. You might have mentioned like anything you guys want me to take a peek at, and that was. I was interested in that. The Mavam. Yeah, because what it, is that? Real quick. It's just. I mean, so modular, like like a mod tap, bar, like yep. a mod bar. Um, but under counter you have the unit includes a grinder and it's, is it, it's, it's like a, basically a peak inside of it, right? It's, or, or something of those sorts. I can't remember. Um, you might, but, uh, yeah, I think it was dead in components, which is, a, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, even with us thinking about adding a third tap in, uh, Dunwoody. Don't tempt me. It's like. Should we add a third mod? Should we add a third mod bar tap, or should we add that? And then we're just dishing out espresso all day. Because if it tastes great, so all it who is cares? is a, a tap that comes out, and then a spout. Press a button, and espresso comes out of it. One espresso, please. Yeah, yeah. All the old world baristas are rolling in their <laughs> their beds right now, or wherever they are. Their beds. I was gonna say graves. I'm like they're not dead, <laughs> but they are in the bed. They are. They could be asleep right now. No, um, dude, they're opening. Hey, last last question. Did you have fun on Did, today? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. Uh, tell us how we can reach you, and by we we mean the listeners oh, for yeah. when they want to install when their, they want their per- periodic maintenance plan. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, brownies.com is the, the website. There's mm. a couple of different versions of the contact form there if you're looking for PMs or if you're interested in buying some equipment. Um, you know, I'm just Caleb at brownies.com if you want to email me. And you, you do national sales as well? Like, do, you, do you do that or is it just local here? Uh, as far as sales and install, we're for sure just in in the in the region um but we we are starting we're really getting connected with a a group that is helping to kind of connect good techs uh i think we're trying to land on what the final name is going to be but service layer is the name that they're kind of operating under and so i've got i've got really good tech connections that are starting to really span longer out of out of the the region and cool. so we're doing a um it's been really cool where so use case or kind of a case of it was a, a company that sold some equipment and really got a good relationship going in austin um that customer 
contacted them and was like, hey, we're we got a, we're opening another one of these in Atlanta, and but we really like you guys. Like we'd want to buy buy your equipment through there. And so that company got in touch with me and was like, hey, we need we need somebody to white glove this, really do a good job. And um, and so we essentially kind of split the split the sale. Oh, that's awesome. Handle mm-hmm. like we're handling the install and the warranty and that sort of thing. And that relationship is extremely important. And so absolutely they should keep a healthy chunk of that. Um, mm-hmm. but it's given us an opportunity to, to, to invest, get invested in something and take, you know, take good care of the customer and, and have it not just be just a purely transactional, like, okay, how long were you on site? What materials did you use? And see you later. It's like, yeah, you know, like this needs to be like, we're going to, we're going to really kind of own this, uh, this deal. So, um, so if somebody's elsewhere and they're trying to get connected, I'm, you know, I'm happy to yeah. parlay. And well, of- that's happened to, to me a lot where we're setting up a wholesale customer and I'm thinking like, okay, this person needs a good coffee tech relationship, but they're across the country. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> Louisiana coffee techs, just like Googling for them. Right. But it's, 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 I was going to talk to you about that, like a, a, a network of coffee techs across the states um, where you can work together. So that's cool to hear. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. And it's, it really, there will always be a place. There will always be a place for some of the, the online retailers to just kind of figure it out in places that are far flung and all that. But when there's an option to work with a local service company, those sales are important. It, it, you know, gives the local company the the capital to stock the parts for that particular set of equipment yep. and, and keep people keep people around, keep them trained, that sort of stuff. So those are those are critical. And so, yeah, happy to happy to help push that uh, push that along. Yes, I want to reiterate what he just said. If you are starting a coffee company, do not buy your espresso machines and your equipment through an online retailer. Look at what coffee techs are in your area and buy equipment through them because that helps coffee techs exist. And uh, machine sales, equipment sales are one of the main drivers for them. And so if we buy our equipment through them, then that supports them, which then, like you said, they can stock parts for it and then they can support you even better. An online retailer cannot support you as well as a local coffee tech can. So keep that in mind. Mm. Caleb, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you know what to do. <laughs> like it, hit subscribe, and review us on your podcast app of choice. Follow us at Coffee Sometimes Pod on Instagram. And that's going to do it. Peace. We love you all. Bye. Adios.